0: This podcast is a production of Faith Living Church. If you like what you hear, join us for church sometime in our Plantsville, Connecticut location, Saturdays, 6 p.m. or Sundays, 9 and 11 a.m. Or online, anytime at faithlivingchurch.com.
1: Talking about radical humility. And to start off with, I'd like to read you some words of a song. It was a, a hit song way, 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 way back, and it, it has a statement that I want you to hear, and it goes like this, and now the end is near, I'm not just reading it, I'm, you,
0: I told you, you can't read it, you wind up singing it.
1: And so <laughs> I face the final curtain, my friend, I'll say it clear, I'll state my cause, of which I'm certain I've lived a life that's full I've traveled each and every highway and more much more than this I did it my way what a horrible thing to say <laughs> you know when you say I did it my way you saying I don't need you God I'll do it however I jolly well please. It might sound like a nice little song. I'm not going to read the rest of the five verses that go along with it, you know. Because when you're talking about humility, you're not talking about, I'll do it my way. Because when you do it your way, it kind of gets you in trouble sometimes. And it does not attract the blessings of almighty God, you know. Our natural way of thinking is that, the more we can get for ourselves when I do it my way the happier I'll be but it really does not satisfy us when we do it our own way when we do it my way you know two followers of Christ would say I did it God's way and that does attract the blessings of the almighty God and you think where did all the blessings come from By putting him first in our lives. You know, there was a newspaper reporter. And he was interviewing an old rancher. And he asked to what he would attribute his success as a rancher. And with a twinkle in his eye, the old man replied. It's about 50% weather. And it's about 50% good luck. And the rest is just all brains. But I think if you got 50% and you 50%, there's no more percentage there, really, is it? So. It
0: didn't take much brains.
1: It really didn't take much brains. But our success in life, and whatever we do, we need to give credit to where credit is due, and it's to the Almighty God. Listen to what it says here in the scriptures in Deuteronomy chapter 8. Verse 10
0: says, When you have eaten your fill, be sure to praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you.
1: Now think about it. Uh, many believers, they pray before they eat. I don't know, you ever pray before you eat? It's
0: a good idea too.
1: I didn't hear anybody say <laughs> yes. <laughs> if you went out to a restaurant, you don't know how many times that food has been dropped on the ground on the floor before it got <laughs> to your plate. you better pray over it and thank God for it. Actually, uh, I did that one time. I was at this nice, nice restaurant. We'd taken a guest speaker there. It was uh, Judson Cornwall years ago, and he had ordered uh, a steak. But this steak was an unusual kind of steak. It was kind of like a softball, you know? It wasn't just flat. It was kind of big. And when the waiter... Was bringing it to the table, he stumbled and dropped it on the floor for real. And he picked it up and said, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry, I'll go get you another one. But I paid attention to the shape of that (laughs) steak. And he brought the same steak back. He really did. So you better pray over your food. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. You really ought to. Lord, sanctify it and strengthen our bodies to it because you never know. But it says here, when you've eaten your fill, now you're full and you're satisfied be sure to praise the Lord your God so maybe you pray over your food but it's biblical at the end of your meal to say thank you Papa God that was a wonderful meal thank you for providing it for us it's a good thing and it's biblical let's just read that again and go on
0: when you have eaten your fill be sure to praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you but that is the time to be careful.
1: To be careful.
0: Beware that oh. in your plenty. Be
1: careful and, and beware. When you eat your full and you're satisfied, that's the time to be careful. And when you see that word beware, what do you think of?
0: Warning, caution.
1: Warning, warning, you know, danger, danger, danger. danger. Are you thinking of a a dog or something? Beware. Or you're going to an electrical panel and it's, you know, warning you of danger and all. And so he's telling us when we've eaten our fill, you know, and all, he says, this is a time to be careful. This is a time to beware.
0: Beware that in your plenty... You do not forget the Lord your God and disobey his commands, regulations, and decrees that I am giving you today.
1: So when everything is going well, beware. Don't forget that it is God who has made the provision for you. Don't think. Don't sing a song. I did it my way. You know. But we need to think about, I did it God's way. That's what we really need to be thinking about. Verse 12 goes on to say...
0: For when you have become full and prosperous and have built fine homes to live in, and when your flocks and herds have become very large, and your silver and gold have multiplied along with everything else, be careful. Be
1: careful when everything's going so well for you.
0: Do not become proud at that time and forget the Lord your God who rescued you from slavery in the land of Egypt. Do not forget that he led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its poisonous snakes and scorpions, where it was so hot and dry. He gave you water from the rock. He fed you with manna in the wilderness, a food unknown to your ancestors. He did this to humble you and test you for your own good. He did,
1: he did it to humble you. And, and, and we learn that, God provided water from one great big old rock and satisfied the thirst of uh, two or three million people. God fed people with manna. Does anybody know what manna means? What is it? That, that's what the, the word means. It's like, oh, look at the what is it? You know, that's what manna means. What is it? But He's telling us here, He did this to humble us. So we'd recognize that water and that food, it it all came from the almighty God and still does. He uses different means to, to get it to us. We say he did this to humble you and to test you for your own good.
0: He did all this so you would never say to yourself, I have achieved
1: this wealth. I did it my way. You know, no.
0: I have achieved this wealth with my own strength and energy. Remember the Lord your God. He is the one who gives you power to be successful in order to fulfill the covenant he confirmed to your ancestors with an oath. He
1: has given you, it says here, the power to become successful. In whatever area your success comes in, God gives you the power. And let us be really quick to thank him and to praise him and to declare I did it your way. I'm going to follow your way, your instructions. Now, Muhammad Ali, uh, he was a fighter, right? Yeah. How many of y'all know who he was? Three? Okay. (laughs) All right, that's good. But he was a boxer, I believe it was. And he was uh, in his prime. And as he was about to take off in one of these good old airplanes, the stewardess reminded him to fasten his seatbelt. He came back, you know, brashly. He was pretty harsh when he was talking to her. He said, Superman don't need no seatbelts.
0: Pretty proud. Pretty
1: proud, yes. Because he's declaring, he's Superman. And the stewardess quickly came back. Superman don't need no airplane either. (laughs) And then... Muhammad Ali, he fastened his seatbelts after that, you know. So we must be care, careful when we become, you know, proudful about what we have or what we've accomplished in, in life. You know, there's an old ditty that goes this way. It needs more skill than I can tell to play the second fiddle well. Anybody ever play the second fiddle? You know, I was just talking to somebody backstage over there a while ago. I took, uh, you know, violin lessons for a year when I was a kid, 5th grade. But then we moved and no one played or taught the uh, the violin anymore. But it says, it needs more skill than I can tell to play the second fiddle well. And in a similar vein, Leonard Bernstein was once asked which instrument was the most difficult to play. And he thought for a moment, and then he replied, second fiddle. It's the most difficult instrument to play A second fiddle. I can get plenty of first violinists, but to find someone who can play second fiddle with enthusiasm, that's a problem. And if we have no one to play second fiddle, we have no harmony. Think about that. You know, I I don't want to be second. I want to be first. You know, that's what the pride thing would be. I want to be first, you know. uh, Me first and then you, you know, kind of a mentality. Isaiah chapter 57 uh, verse 15, it says.
0: The high and lofty one who lives in eternity, the holy one says this. I live in the high and holy place with those whose spirits are. Are contrite
1: and he says God saying, I live in the the high and holy place with those whose spirits are contrite, which means repentant, you know, really repentant of anything that would have possibly displeased God.
0: Whose spirits are contrite and humble. Hmm. Proverbs twenty-three, verse twenty-six says God
1: says he lives with those who are contrite and and humble. He lives with those who are humble. Humble is the opposite of pride. God says, I live with those who are contrite and humble.
0: Proverbs 23, verse 26 says, Oh, my son, give me your heart. May your eyes take delight in following my ways.
1: Following whose
0: ways? My ways, God's ways.
1: God's saying here, my eyes take delight in following my ways, my son.
0: John 14, verse 6 says, Jesus told him, I am the way.
1: You're not the way. Does anybody here think that you're the way? No. Nobody does. We know that Jesus says, I am the way. And I want to do it God's way.
0: Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me.
1: And you know, God's ways must be learned Uh, We are not born with just the knowledge of God's ways already put into us. God's ways must be learned. And that's why we have his book. To learn his
0: ways. Isaiah 55 verse 9. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways. But we can learn
1: God's ways. We can. His ways are higher than ours. You know, but we can learn his ways and what a blessing they bring to our lives and all we set our hand to when we learn his ways and we learn it from the manufacturer's handbook, you know, that God has given unto us. And then here in Matthew chapter 11,
0: verse 28, then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, let me teach you, because I am humble. Let me
1: teach you. Then Jesus declares,
0: "Because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls."
1: Let me teach you, because I'm humble. Jesus declares that he is humble, and and he's the miracle worker. He's the savior of the world, the the Messiah, and and God uses people. Who stay cool in hot places. You ever been in a hot place? Where things kind of getting hot there, you know? And God uses people who will stay sweet in sour places, you know? You ever been in a sour place? And he also, he uses the people who will stay little in big places. I'm talking about humility here. Bill Gothard once said, Humility is recognizing that God and others are responsible for our achievements in life. But when we, when we have this mindset, I did it my way, that's not humility. That's pride in God. The scripture says that God resists the proud. He genuinely does.
0: John six thirty eight. For I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me. Not to do my own will.
1: That was Jesus who said that. And he was declaring humility to do his Father God's will, you know, and that was humility. See, pride makes us determined to have our own way, and our own way, it actually brings ruin. But humility enables us to surrender to God's will. When we surrender to God's will, to God's ways, and we'll experience God's peace and God's best and God's richest blessings when we humble ourselves before him. God's richest blessings are often like objects that are exposed in a pane glass window. When you go down the sidewalk, you kind of go window shopping and you see all those wonderful things you can see them but but we can't reach them there's something that stands between us and those wonderful treasures behind that window and you know what pride becomes that pain glass window and we cannot reach God's best God's richest blessings when there's pride between us and his richest blessings so as we humble ourselves we access everything he has for us, you know, ships that are heaviest laden, you know, with traveling and sailing the seven seas and all, you know, they sail the lowest in the water where they really have great treasures aboard, you know, and that ballast keeps them safe and they can have the big sails up there because they're they're heavily laden, you know, and as we find ourselves lowly in the water. We're a lot more stable and we can carry the treasures that Almighty God has for us. In First uh, Peter chapter 5, verse 5,
0: You younger men must accept the authority of the elders and all of now, you... let me ask you. Do younger men
1: always accept the authority of, of the elders? No. Uh, I mean, I'm a young man, you know. <laughs> What was that snickering about? But I remember, and lots of times, young men think they know it all. You know, and I understand when they're learning things. But he's talking about humility here. He says, you younger men must accept the authority of the elders. You know?
0: And all of you serve each other in humility. Serve.
1: All of us should serve each other in humility. Putting other people first, not proud and, and arrogantly.
0: For God opposes the proud, but favors the humble.
1: God opposes? He opposes the proud? God opposes the proud. So when we're like, hey, I can do this better than anybody else, I can do this better than anybody, I can do this better than anybody else. And when we're proud, well, I know better than you do, you know. Even if you do, we can approach it with a humble attitude. Even if you do know something. You can share with something that you know with other people.
0: Psalm 149 verse 4. For the Lord delights in his people. He crowns the humble with victory.
1: Crown? He crowns you? God himself crowns you with victory. And I think we pretty much all want victory. But who is it that he
0: crowns? The humble.
1: The humble. Not the proudful. He crowns the humble with victory, he says here.
0: So 1 Peter chapter 5, looking at verse 6, it says, So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time he will lift you up in honor. Wow. Let
1: me read you an article I came across. I got my MBA long before I got my GED. I even have a photograph of... Of me in my MBA graduation outfit, a snazzy knee-length work apron. I guarantee you that I'm the only founder among America's big companies whose picture in the corporate annual report shows him wielding a mop and a plastic bucket. That wasn't a gag; it was a case of leading by example. At Wendy's, y'all familiar with Wendy's? At Wendy's, MBA does not mean master of business administration. It means mop bucket attitude. Anybody here have an MBA? A A mop bucket attitude? That means you are all about serving, you know? It's how we define satisfying the customer through cleanliness, quality food, friendly service, and atmosphere. And you probably know who that founder was Dave Thomas, founder of Wendy's Hamburgers. And his whole heart was, it's all about serving others. That was an MBA, Mop Bucket Attitude. Oh, I wish you all remember that. To have the M, I have an MBA, you know? And people, oh, you have an MBA. Wow, that's awesome. You don't have to tell them it stands for Mop Bucket Attitude, as long as you got a Mop Bucket Attitude. Psalm 138,
0: verse 6. Though the Lord is great, he cares for the humble, but he keeps his distance from the proud.
1: Let's let's go ahead and finish our message. Would you read that one more time?
0: Though the Lord is great, he cares for the humble, but he keeps his distance from the proud.
1: How do you like the idea that God just keeps his distance between you and him? No. When we study and, and we read his word, where he'll never leave us and he'll never forsake us. But there's one thing that makes him keep his distance from us when we become proud, prideful, it's full of pride. I did it my way. But he says here, the Lord is great and he cares for the humble. God cares for the humble, but he keeps his distance. From the proud, so it takes humility if you want to get close to God, because you can't get close to Him with pride, because He keeps His distance from you, and we never want God to be keeping His distance from us.
0: First Peter chapter four, verse ten through eleven: God has given each of you a gift from His great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. And he's
1: given us all gifts. God has given us all spiritual gifts so we can serve one another that's that's what he's telling us
0: do you have the gift of speaking then speak as though god himself were speaking through you do you have the gift of helping others do it with all the strength and energy that god supplies then everything you do will bring glory to god through jesus christ all glory and power to him forever and ever amen
1: everything what percentage is that
0: hundred percent.
1: Everything you do will bring glory to God. And this is all about humility. And it takes humility to serve other people. You know, I mean, it's really nice. Don't we like to be served?
0: Mm-hmm. Yes.
1: Are, are they sleeping or are they just don't <laughs> hear what I'm saying? Let's go out and eat at a restaurant. Even going through the fast food line, you know, we like people to serve us. But the Bible says that God has given you so many gifts, spiritual gifts, so we can serve one another. That's what he's telling us all about. Uh, Fred Craddock, he said, to give my life for Christ appears glorious. To give my life for Christ, it appears glorious to pour myself out for others, to, to pay the ultimate price of martyrdom. I'll do it. I'm ready, Lord, to go out in a blaze of glory. We think giving our all to the Lord is like taking a $1,000 bill and laying it on the table. Here's my life, Lord. I'm giving it all. I'm just giving everything to you. But the reality for most of us is that he sends us to the bank and has us cashed the thousand dollars, can you hold those over there or put them on your thing? He wants us to cash the thousand dollars and get a thousand dollars worth of quarters. Now this is not a thousand dollars worth of quarters. It is several hundred because I, I couldn't pick up a thousand dollars worth of quarters I don't think. You know, the article goes on, but the reality for most of us is that he sends us to the bank and has us cash the thousand dollars for quarters. And then we go through life putting out 25 cents here, 25 cents there, 50 cents over here. We listen to the neighborhood kids' troubles instead of saying, Hey, get lost. We go to a committee meeting. We give a cup of water to a shaky old man in a nursing home. Usually giving our life to Christ isn't so glorious. It's done in all those little acts of love. 25 cents here, 25 cents here, 25 cents here, you know, 25 cents at a time. It'd be easy for most people to go out in a flash of glory. It's harder to live the Christian life. Little by little over the long haul of serving others. And I've got several, I think I got a thousand
0: quarters in here. Uh, close to it.
1: Close to it. This is my piggy bank.
0: Literally, we had them all rolled up. <laughs> I did <I> unroll <laughs> them. Unrolled them, them all. In here. How about that? But I'm going to put them here.
1: Is heavy, so if when you leave today, I want you to come by this way and take a quarter, okay, with you and let it remind you that as you giving your life to Christ, you're giving your life to Christ to serve others. We're not talking about just one great big chunk of something and it's good for the rest of your life, but little things opening the door for somebody. I mean, the little things, little things. You're 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 investing your life in serving others just a little bit at a time, a little bit here, a little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit everywhere. So please take a quarter with you on your way out. So we're not asking for an offering in there. We're asking you to take it and let it be an inspiration uh, to you. And there's a song we uh, used to sing, and it goes like this. Oh, that I am... All that I have, I lay them down before you, O Lord. All my regrets, all my acclaims, the joy and the pain, I'm making them yours. Lord, I offer my life to you. Quarter at a time, a little bit here, a little bit there, everywhere I go. Lord, I offer my life to you. Everything I've been through, use it for your glory. Lord, I offer my days to you, lifting my praise to you. As a pleasing sacrifice, Lord, I offer you my life.
0: Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1 says, Therefore... I, a prisoner for serving the Lord. I'm a
1: prisoner for serving the Lord. I'm yours, Almighty God, to serve you. I'm a bond slave wherever you want, whatever you want me to do. You know, no matter what it is, little bits at a time, here and there and there and there, to every one I come across their path.
0: Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. Always be humble. Wait a
1: Always. What percentage is that again? 100%. It's so 100%. Always be humble and... Gentle.
0: What? What does it say? Gentle.
1: Oh. Oh. Always be humble and gentle. It's what it says there. 100% of the time, be humble and be gentle with the people that are in your life.
0: Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love.
1: Making allowance for each other's faults. You know, pride rarely makes allowance for other people's faults. Where we're impatient and we're not making allowance for other people's, it's usually an indication of pride. That's what he's talking about here.
0: Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. He
1: says, make every effort to keep yourselves united. Pride prevents unity. Because pride thinks, I did it my way. Well, she didn't really help, you know. And he didn't really help. I did it my way. Pride really prevents unity genuinely does
0: Romans chapter 12 verse 16 live in harmony with each other
1: pride prevents harmony it it really does it just causes you to be a loner because you did it all I did it my way and that's not what God wants us to do so pride prevents unity pride prevents harmony
0: don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people And don't think you know it all.
1: You know why the Bible says don't think you know it all? Because you don't. Who said that? You're 100% right. Because you don't know it all. There's always things that we're learning day by day by day. You know, Jonathan Edwards said, Nothing sets a person so much out of the devil's reach. How do you like the idea of being out of the devil's reach? He can get a hold of you. Nothing sets you out of the devil's reach as humility does. When you humble yourself, oh, oh, you first, and then me. And you serve other people, and it's all about others. Isn't that the wonderful command, the second command? First is love the Lord with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. And then love your neighbor as yourself. And you serve them. And that's great... Humility, you know, and Jonathan Edwards says nothing sets a person so much out of the devil's reach as humility. In the summer of 1986, two ships collided in the Black Sea off of the coast of Russia. Hundreds of passengers died in that collision. as They were hurled into the icy waters below. News of the disaster was further darkened when an investigation revealed the cause of the accident. It wasn't a technology problem like a radar malfunction or even thick fog. The cause was human selfishness, pride. Each captain was aware there was two ships out there. Each captain was aware of the other ship's presence nearby, and both could have steered clear. But according to news reports, neither captain wanted to give way to the other. Each was too proud to yield first. And by the time they came to their senses, it was too late. Pride killed several hundred people when you think about it. Luke chapter 18 verse
0: 9 Then Jesus told this story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness. I did it my way. And scorned everyone else. Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you God that I am not a sinner. I am not a sinner. What does the Bible say about sin? that all have sinned we've
1: all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God that's what it says but this Pharisee says I thank you God that I am not a sinner like everyone else
0: for I don't cheat I don't sin and I don't commit adultery I'm certainly not like that tax collector I fast twice a week and I give you a tenth of my income but the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, Oh God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. He
1: acknowledged, I'm a sinner. And it's okay. All these things that the Pharisee did, it's okay to fast. It's okay to, to give your tithe to The Lord, it is wonderful the things he was talking about, but he thought that was his ability. He thought that was him. He was doing things his own way.
0: Oh, God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. But those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Matthew chapter 18, verse 1. About that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven?
1: Uh, let me ask you out here. Which one of you is the greatest in the kingdom of God? Just go ahead and raise your hands. Mm-hmm. I don't see no hands. Do you?
0: Nope.
1: They're wise men and women. Mm-hmm.
0: Jesus called a little child to him and put the child among them. Then he said, I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven.
1: Or hmm. well, we become like little children and we don't think we really know it all. Now, I shared this uh, sometime by Hugh Duncan said, these are the things I learned in the sandbox at nursery school. Share everything no one for another play fair don't hit people and ushers are watching check make sure you don't (laughs) hit nobody okay don't hit people put things back where you found them clean up your own mess is Suzanne here? she She is? you know because I I often make a mess up here that means I have to clean up my own mess (laughs) okay clean up your own mess don't take things that aren't yours say you're sorry when you hurt somebody when you go out into the world watch for traffic (laughs) hold hands and stick together this is things that we, we often learn in nursery school and it really takes humility to put other people first like we're reading right here some children Oh here let's read verse 4 We didn't get through that
0: So anyone who becomes as humble as this little child Is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven
1: Becoming like little children Some children worked Long and hard On their own little cardboard clubhouse They thought long and hard About rules for their club And they came up with These three rules Number one Nobody act big Number two Nobody acts small. And number three, everybody acts medium. That was the three rules of their club, you know. That's pretty much humility. Act medium, you know. You don't want to put yourself above everybody. And you don't want to put yourself below everybody either. That's what I'm saying. And, and maybe we can see, you know, humility appears to be weak, you know. It it appears like well somebody else is bigger or stronger there's a a song we learned y'all probably remember this song your own self and it goes like this Jesus loves me
0: this I know for the Bible tells me so little
1: ones to him belong they are weak but In humility, it seems weak. They are weak, but But he he is is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. For the Bible tells me so. And that might take humility on our part to see a kitty song, but does that kitty song have a powerful message in it? Yes. We need to know that Jesus loves us,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, and we need to come across as weak. And you know, in Corinthians, we we learned about Paul. Paul had what you called a thorn in the flesh that was given to him by Almighty God, you know. And does anybody remember why Paul was given a thorn in the flesh? <laughs> to keep him free from pride Mm -hmm. because he had been given so much revelation and when he prayed for people they were being healed and, and miracles were happening and he had a tremendous grasp of God's word and he says that because of that to keep him from becoming proud prideful God had given him a thorn in the flesh and he had asked three times for the Lord to take away that thorn in his flesh it was a difficulty that came his way. Anyhow, it says here in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9.
0: Each time he said, my grace is all you
1: need. This is what Jesus' response, <clears throat> Excuse me, when Paul was asking, please take this thorn away. But God had sent him the thorn to keep him humble. So he didn't. Become exalted because of pride, because he was doing such wonderful things, you know. And Jesus says,
0: "My grace is all you need." My. And,
1: uh, is it okay if I interrupt you one second here?
0: Perfectly fine.
1: My grace and and grace—the best biblical definition I've ever discovered for grace—is God's enabling power. And He says, "My grace, my enabling power, is all you need."
0: My power works best in weakness.
1: My my power works best in your humility. That's where God's power shows up
0: best. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong.
1: Mm. the very safety of great gifts and the, the, the safety of all this revelation that God wants to give you lies in the association of having deep humility it will protect you it will keep you safe from great revelation and great power that God wants to flow through you you know because without humility those wonderful blessings become danger Danger, danger. And let's look at this there's a passage here where weak people they demonstrated great
0: faith. In Hebrews chapter eleven, verse thirty-two, it says, How much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of the faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. By faith these people overthrew kingdoms. They ruled with justice. ...and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions.
1: These weak people, humble people, shut the mouths of lions.
0: Quenched the flames of fire and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength.
1: As your weakness, our weakness is turned to to what? Strength. To strength. And as we learn to walk in humility... God's power is released, and his greatest riches are released in
0: us. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26 in the Message Bible says, Take a good look, friends, at who you are when you got called into this life. I don't see many of the brightest and the best among you. Not many influential not many from high society families. It says
1: not many. There's some, but not many, he says, from the high society families.
0: Isn't it obvious that God deliberately chose men and women that the culture overlooks and exploits and abuses? He chose the, these nobodies. He chose the who? The nobodies to expose the hollow pretensions of the somebodies
1: he chose the nobodies those who are walking in humility to expose the hollow pretension of the somebodies I did it my way
0: that makes it quite clear that none of you can get by with blowing your own horn before God Hmm. everything that we have right thinking right living a clean slate and a fresh start comes from God by the way of Jesus Christ. That's why we have the saying, if you're going to blow a horn, blow a trumpet for God.
1: Blow a trumpet for God. You know, it, it, it makes me remember a fellow in the Old Testament named Naaman. And Naaman, he was over the king's army, all the military people. He was a very... Prestigious, very in the limelight, very powerful man. And Naaman came down with leprosy. And, and Naaman's wife, she had a little serpent girl who was a slave uh, who would help her in her household. And she had been captured in the cities of God and had been brought back as, as a slave. And this little girl was telling the, the woman of the house saying you know there's a prophet in the city where I came from and if you'd ask that prophet he would heal your husband Naaman and the woman told Naaman and Naaman told the king and the king gave Naaman all kinds of wonderful rich treasures and he said you go and you tell him that I sent you go and talk to the prophet and, and, and see if the prophet won't Come out and heal you. So Naaman took a a massive part of his army and all the the treasures that he could haul, and he went to find the prophet. And when he came to the prophet's little abode, it could have been even a tent, and they knocked on the door there and said, This is Naaman sent from the king, and, and he asked to talk to the prophet. And, and the prophet sent his servant out. He didn't come out and see him face to face. He just sent his servant. And the servant says, uh, uh, what is it? And then he listened to the conversation. And then he said, well, the prophet said, for you to go jump in the river, you know, he didn't quite say it that way. He said, go dip yourself in the river, you know, out there. And, and, and then you're, 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 you'll get your desire. Anyhow, Naaman was pretty ticked off because the prophet didn't even bother to come out and see him face to face and have a conversation with him because he had all these wonderful treasures to give him. And the prophet said, well, we don't want anything that you have, but you go dip yourself in the river. And he was mad. And he turned around and he was leaving, and one of Naaman's right-hand men, you know, he said, Naaman... If he had asked you to do something really, really difficult and really hard, wouldn't you have done it? He's asking you to go dip in the river. Why don't you take the chance? Take the risk. Just maybe God will heal you. And so Naaman humbled himself before all of his men and he went down to the river and and it took humility because he was a very prideful man and he dipped in the water, went under the water, came up looking. No difference at all. I mean, surely there would have been some evidence of something happening. And then he, he dipped again and again and again and again and again. And he's coming to the seventh time he was supposed to dip. And he's really aggravated because there's no evidence. So he dips one more time and he comes up and the Bible says his skin was like that of a newborn baby because he humbled himself. Radical humility will access the richest blessings of Almighty God, whether it's physical or financial or relational, whatever ways that we need His blessings upon our life, humility will access those blessings and humility will keep those blessings. Pride will cause God to get a long ways away from you. And it will be, pride will be like a plate glass window that you can't reach through and you can't grab the rich blessings of the almighty God. And, and Naaman proved that just by what he did. He saw the great blessings of God released to him. So I want to challenge you this week, today, tomorrow, to live in the shadow of Jesus Christ. This week to live in his shadow. You know like Susan is casting the shadow back here. And, and I'm in her shadow. You know. And if that means we're, we're close to God. But, but we're living in his shadow. He is first. He is in the forefront. And we promote him bigger than anything else. So how will living in Christ's shadow. Make a difference in your life this week. Will you promote Christ? Will you bring up the topic of Christ? Or anything that's going on in your life is it, I did it my way. The reason I'm doing doing so well, reason is is because I did it my way. That's not living in the shadow of Christ, you know? Who might you serve this coming week? Starting today. Who might you serve? And I'm going to. Address Suzanne, who always cleans up my messes, but she cleans up your messes because we come and we study together and we make a mess on the pulpit up here, but she's always here with a mop or something else. She serves the body of Christ. You know? And who will you serve this week? In your own home, in your community, in your workplace? Who will you serve? And and unashamed to bring Christ into the picture in a wonderful, palatable kind of a way. What what action would help empty our, our self, our, our pride, all of our rights? What can we do this week to really genuinely understand and become a servant? And, and to serve God, to love him with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, and our sense? Then love our neighbors as ourselves. What can you do? Think about it. So that's my challenge to you. A joyful person is one who follows Jesus' example. And that's what we call radical humility. Can we walk in radical humility this week?
0: Mark 9, verse 33 says, After they arrived at Capernaum and settled in a house, Jesus asked his disciples, what were you discussing out on the road?
1: He, he, he heard some commotion going out among his disciples.
0: Hey, guys, what were you all talking
1: about out there on the road today?
0: But they didn't answer because they had been arguing about which of them was the greatest.
1: Oh, I, I forgot. Did I ask them? Which one of you guys is the greatest? Uh, I'd asked that question. You,
0: you remember who it was? No, none of them raised their hand.
1: None of them. That must mean that Christ is the greatest doesn't it
0: yep the lord never says oh that was my statement that's your part
1: but i'm gonna let you share it because you wanted to no you go ahead you you
0: first not me you
1: well we are familiar with where the lord said well done thou good and famous servant right
0: no faithful Ah, is there
1: a difference yes you know, I did it my way. I'm famous. But the Bible says the Lord will say to you when you get to heaven one day, you know, "Well done, thou good and faithful." What servant? Are, are you a, a good and a faithful servant? That's what gets God's attention hundred percent of the time.
0: Mark nine verse thirty-five says, "He sat down and called the twelve disciples over to him and said." Whoever wants to be the first must take last place and be the servant of everyone else.
1: You know, it's like, oh, me first, you next, you you last, but me first. He says, what?
0: Whoever wants to be first must take last place. You want to be
1: first? Well, then you take the last, you first. Please, please, you first. You, you take the biggest piece of cake, you know? You first. And, and see that's humility when you put somebody else first and, and then you become the servant to who? Everyone else. <laughs> and that's 100% of the people. We become a servant. everyone, Whether you know them or whether you don't know them, we become their servant.
0: Kathy Rigby was the hope of the United States Gymnastics Team at the 1972 Olympic Games in I, I
1: graduated high school in 1973.
0: So right before then. It was the year before. At the 1972 Olympic Games in Munich, Germany. She had one goal in mind, excellence. Before the Games began, she prayed for strength to move through, her, through the routine without making a mistake. She performed well, but she did not win. Emotionally, she was crushed. She joined her parents in the stands, ready for a good cry. I'm sorry, she said. I did my best. She said what? I did my best. Say that one more time. I did my best. She said she did her best. Today, Kathy recalls ten words from her mother that she will never forget. Doing your best is more important than being the best.
1: Humility is doing your best. You may never be the best. Somebody else may be that. But you can always do your best at whatever it is that you do. You can do your best. And that honors God. And that's walking in humility. And that attracts his blessings into our life. Radical humility. Radical to the point to where people go, Wow, you're different than most people. You know, you... You, you, you're not stepping in front of everybody. You're not putting you first. You're not doing it your way. You're, you're serving. Radical humility attracts the richest and the greatest blessings of Almighty God that people will be drawn to Christ. Well, I would like to uh, say a little prayer to reaffirm our faith and acknowledge it. we didn't do it our way to get saved we did it God's way we received him as savior into our life and I would ask you if you would join me to reaffirm your faith in Christ as we bow our heads and reaffirm our faith together out loud and you guys who are watching us online at home would you join us as we pray together would you join me heavenly father
0: heavenly father
1: I do love you
0: I do love you
1: and I thank you for loving
0: me and I thank you for loving me
1: Thank you for sending your son Jesus. Thank
0: you for sending your son Jesus.
1: And that he gave his life for me.
0: And that he gave his life for me. When he
1: died on that cross.
0: When he died on that cross.
1: I believe that he rose from the dead.
0: I believe that he rose from the dead.
1: And he's knocking at the door of my heart.
0: And he's knocking at the door of my heart. And I
1: open wide that
0: door. And I open wide that
1: door. And I welcome Jesus.
0: And I welcome Jesus. Into every
1: area of my life.
0: Into every area of my life. As
1: my Savior.
0: As my Savior.
1: As my Lord.
0: As my Lord.
1: And as my King.
0: And as my King.
1: In Jesus'
0: name. In Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Amen. I would like us, uh, because the way we pray for people, in just a moment as you leave, anybody who has a need will come around the altar and we have folks who will join us and we will pray for their needs. But lots of times uh, people uh, who are watching from home, they don't get prayed for, you know, because they're not here. But let's take a moment and pray for them. And um, as we're doing so, maybe there's somebody in your life who's not here this morning. And you can just say a a prayer for them as we're joining our faith uh, together. Uh, Just pray for the needs of those that you know who have a need. Maybe family, maybe friends, maybe fellow workers whoever they might be. So let's just join our our faith as we bow our heads right now. Papa God, we we do join our faith and we do ask you for a miracle in the lives of men and women and boys and girls who are in our sphere of influence. I lift up these two uh, people who asked uh, for some prayer uh, yesterday and we just ask you for a miracle and And heal their bodies and strengthen them, almighty God, because you are the miracle worker. Oh, Papa God, restore them and all those who are with them. We ask, almighty God, that you meet every need, every need that is connected to us somehow through a relationship we have with them. Meet every need, oh, Papa God, whatever it might be. And may they know how much you love them and how much you care for them we ask in the name of your son yes. Jesus Christ amen
0: amen